And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurk in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? Then you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of Life with Luigi, starring J. Carol Nash from 1949. Then, we'll rocket to Mars in a frightening Ray Bradbury story on X-1 from 1955. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Well, last time, we began listening to Life with Luigi, my mom's favorite radio show. Let's go back to October 11, 1949, for the conclusion now to Columbus Day, starring J. Carol Nash. Luigi, my fellow pooper. <laughs> well, am I the first one in for rehearsal, or am I the rotten egg? I sure see the bad news. I'm a lost the Columbus play last night. Lost the play? Oh, no, Luigi. Did you look for All over all night, I was looking at the streets, and all ladies who want to buy a cup of coffee for me, and the coppers that told me Columbus was a playing a handball. <laughs> Oh, Luigi, are you for shimmelt? <laughs> now, look, are you sure you lost the play? I'm sure I said terrible. <laughs> smile, Luigi, smile. Like the cow said when it tripped and fell down. What's the use to cry over spilt milk? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, so how am I going to smile? It was my responsibility. I'm a lost the play. I'm not got the Miss Bolling's telephone number. School is a close. I'm not going to find it. Schultz, I'm a Phyllis so bad. No, wait, 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 Luigi. Into my head, an idea just pooped. <laughs> After class tonight, we, we was all looking at the play. Yes. Well, I remember most of it. You do? Sure, sure, smile, Luigi. And what I don't remember, I'll write myself. Well, <laughs> Schultz, you think you know enough about the Columbus to write this play? Ah, Luigi, don't worry. Facts ain't everything. Writers always use it, the imagination. Now, look, look at Mark Twain. He never owned a fruit stand. Still, he wrote Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> Luigi, what's the use to waste time arguing? What else can we do? Hey, Luigi. Oh, hello, Mr. Delicatessen man. What are you doing here? Until you came in, I was breathing fresh air. <laughs> Pasquale, now, if you don't mind, we are busy. I got to write a new Columbus play for Luigi because he lost the other one. That's right, Pasquale. Schultz says he's going to remember most of the play. Oh, that's nice. Schultz, maybe you write in a part of my daughter Rosa, eh? Absolutely not. In that the case, maybe I'm going to go to the school tonight to tell Mrs. Spalding... 
And maybe she's at the side. It would have been better if you have no play at all, eh? What? How you want to do a thing like this? Oh, Squally, won't you be a stool pigeon? When it's a concern of my daughter Rosa, I'm even going to be a vulture. <laughs> Luigi, we are trapped. All right, we give a part to Rosa. No, wait, wait. It's even a help. Horowitz has got such a bad memory. Instead of giving him two parts, we're going to let Pasquale play one. <laughs> Thank you, Schultz. I'm going to like it to brag. But my wife, she thinks I've got a profile like a Barry ball. <laughs> I think you got a profile like Barry Fitzgerald. Hey, Schultz, here comes Olsen and Horowitz. Yeah, now we got no time to lose. Give me quick, a pencil on the paper. Now we start to write. But Schultz... Schultz, I'm afraid. Oh, Luigi, cheer up, smile, don't worry. Tonight, when all this is over, it will be an experience you will never forget. Then, pale and worn, he kept his deck and peered through darkness. Ah, that night of all nights. And then a speck, a light. A light, a light, a light. It grew a starlit flag unfurled. It grew to be time's burst of dawn. He gained a world. He gave that world its greatest lesson. On, sail on. That was Henry Robinson of the graduating class of the LaSalle Street Night School, reciting the poem Columbus by Joaquin Miller. And very good indeed, Mr. Robinson. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we close our Columbus Day program with a short playlet to be performed by our charming Miss Spaulding's night school class up at North Halsted Street. As they say in show business, take it away. Go ahead, Luigi. Go out on the stage and read what I wrote. All right. How do we get ready? You come on the stage after me. Ladies and, and a gentleman and a friends and a Mrs. Spaulding and, and a Mr. Petrie, that's the principal, and, and a Mr. Campbell, that's the board of education and, and a friends and a, and a friends and a ushers. Columbus! Christopher Columbus was a discoverer of America on a Columbus a day. October 12th, 1914 and 92. This period of the 1490s was a very happy period and is now known in history as the gay 90s. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Narrator. To discover America was not such a cinch. History proves that Columbus had a tough time. Now, to give you a glimpse, we point back the pages of history to that famous scene between Columbus and Queen Isabella. Come with me and glimpse a little. <laughs> Queen Isabella, I'm like to ask you a bigger favor. What can I do for you, Columbus? <laughs> Queen, I'm a wish to discover new route to the Indies. I'm asking you for ships. No. All the explorers I give ships to, they never come back. This is because the world is flat. And they fall off the edge. <laughs> but, uh, but the no queen of the world is not the flat, is around. Here, I'm a prove it to you with this egg I'm a brought. I'm a stand it on the table, 
Watch. <laughs> Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, Schultz has forgot to boil the egg. Brave voids from a brave man. Columbus convinced the queen and got three ships. The Nina, the Pinta, and the... Uh, uh, it was three ships, believe me. <laughs> but did Columbus have an easy time on the ship? Time back the pages of history for another glimpse. Another day, still no land. That's no good. Where's my first mate? First mate? Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> first mate, the read of the ship's log. Uh-huh. <clears throat> on the fifth day, the main sail fell down. <laughs> the eighth, ninth, and tenth days, we went through a hurricane. Uh, the sixteenth day, a fire broke out in the gangway. Uh, the twenty-second day, the Nina and the Pinta disappeared. <laughs> All last week it was raining terrible, and yesterday the cook fell overboard and got swallowed by a shark. <laughs> Captain Columbus, I'm afraid. Why? Any day now we may run into bad luck. <laughs> Captain Columbus, shall we turn back? Like I'm always say, sail on, sail on. Brave voids from our brave men. A few days passed. Again the glimpse. Captain, it is now 34 days we've been sailing. Still no land. What are your words? Sail on, sail on. <laughs> well, it's a little hard to, Columbus. We just sprung a leak. <laughs> a leak? Well, that's a terrible. First of all, what are you going to do to stop at the leak? Well, I already got a pan under the ship. <laughs> but it don't look so good because now land. the pan is... Look, look, everybody, land! Brave voids from... Wait, a... wait, wait, Horowitz. Sail on, sail on. All right, Horowitz. Brave <laughs> So this brave discoverer finally found land. And he deserved it, too. Anyway, he and his first mate went up on the beach, and all they saw was Indians. So now, let's take our last glimpse. I am Columbus, I am a discovering of this land. Any one of you Indians can I say a few words? Omo, a big pay, a melee, TP, a wow. Huh? What do you say? Is that all you can say? You only ask for a few words. <laughs> But me have a daughter who's a speak very well. Then I call her out. All right. Pocahontas. 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 Yes, my little papoose. This is Columbus. Say hello to him. Hello, Pocahontas. <laughs> well, Columbus, it's time we claim the land. All right. In the presence of the people of this new land, the men of my ship, the birds in the sky, the fish in the ocean, I'm now make a circle. And I'm here by name of this place, Columbus Circle. 
Schultze. Schultze was a terrible What? The way people was laughing at oh. us. I'm a, I'm a sure was it the worst thing they ever saw. What are you talking about, Luigi? We were sensational. Olsen, Horowitz, what do you think? I don't know. I was too nervous to think. Well, I, I told you, Schultz, uh, some of those things you wrote. Who no... perpetrated oh. this ridiculous outrage? Mr. Basco, what happened to the play I gave I'm you? Spudding, I'm explaining. Oh, our Columbus. So you're responsible for this. Well, what have you got to say? Don't just stand there. Say something. Sell on the sell on. <laughs> brave words from a brave... You keep quiet. <laughs> My fault. It was all of my fault, Mr. Principal. I'm lost the play Miss Spalding has given me. I was not able to carry responsibility. You're absolutely right. You made a laughing stock of me in front of Mr. Campbell. I'm going to have you expelled from night school. Expelled? Oh, but Mr. Peter. I've made my decision. Yeah, but, but, but you can't do that to Luigi. He loves school too much. You, you break his heart. If you throw Luigi out, I'm quitting school too. Even if it means spending evenings home with my wife. <laughs> Mr. Principal, my opinion is... Wait a minute, please. What? Mr. Principal, uh, you can't spell Luigi. I'm the one who brought him from the older country, and I'm going to know how much his education is meaning to him. I was the one who took away the play from Luigi and tore it up in a little pieces. What? Pasquale, you did that? I'm sorry, Luigi. I've heard enough. My order remains. And, Miss Spaulding, I want to speak to you tomorrow, too. <laughs> Put a pan under the ship. <laughs> I haven't heard that one since Potash and Perlmutter. <laughs> Petrie, you old sourpuss. What ever got into you allowing such a wonderful bit of entertainment on your program? Well, for Mr. 20 Cal years I've been hearing the same old poem play and pageant. Uh, uh, who was responsible for this sketch? Columbus Circle. <laughs> this man right here, Mr. Luigi Basco. Uh, uh, young man, they'll they'll teach you a lot of things in night school, reading, writing, and arithmetic. But but you've learned one of the most important things we can teach you. Yes, one of the great qualities of an American is the the ability to laugh at himself. Isn't that right, Peter? Hmm? Yes. <laughs> Twenty-three days, they sailed. <laughs> you're going to all right. Believe me, there's a lot to laugh at. <laughs> now, here, but I'm going to laugh. <laughs> I'm going to laugh for two. Come on, Erosa. <laughs> I wonder who is laughing at who. Yes, so, Mamma Mia. Even though it was a look very bad for me, everything is come out fine. I was very happy tonight, laughing a lot, and I had a funny thought. You know how there's a city in the United States called Columbus, Ohio? Well, I was just thinking, what would happen if your son Luigi was to discover America? At the city would be called Basco, Ohio. 
All the sign instead of a Columbia Records, it would have been Basco Records. Would it be a Basco Picture Company? Basco Broadcasting System. And in the school, all the little children, they would be singing Basco, the gem of the ocean. <laughs> be sure to listen next Tuesday at the same time over most of these stations when Luigi Basco writes another letter to his mama Basco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by Mac Benoff and Lou Derman and directed by Mac Benoff. J. Carol Nash has starred as Luigi Basco with Alan Reed as Pasquale, Hans Conrad as Schultz, Mary Schiff as Miss Balding, and Jody Gilbert as Rosa, Joe Forte as Horowitz, and Ken Peters as Olson. Music is under the direction of Lud Gluskin. Bob Stevenson speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Life with Luigi, October 11th, 1949, with Columbus Day starring J. Carol Nash, also in that cast. Alan Reed, who was the voice of Fred Flintstone, Mary Ship, Hans Conried, Ken Peters, Joe Forte, and Jody Gilbert. Bob Stevenson doing the announcing. That was heard on CBS. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's a great Ray Bradbury sci-fi story. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. And I want to remind everybody that's listening to check out the Classic Radio Club. We have a website we've set up for you to go to. Learn all about the Classic Radio Club. We'd love you to sign up. We have hundreds and hundreds of people that signed up. Just go to Classic Radio Club. You will get CDs of classic radio shows sent to your door every single month. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, it's time now for X-1. This was a sci-fi series that came to NBC Radio in 1955. It lasted until 1958. It was a revival of Dimension X, which aired from 1950 to 1951. Now, Ernest Canoy and George Lefferts adapted the best sci-fi stories of the day from the best writers like Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, Robert A. Heinlein, Frederick Pohl, and others. Now, this series didn't have any movie stars on it, but it had the East Coast's best actors like Louis Van Ruten, 
Bob Hastings, Lawson Zerby, Mandel Kramer, Mason Adams, and Jack Rimes. We have a Ray Bradbury story for you now called Mars is Heaven. This might be Ray Bradbury's, I would say, one of his most famous stories. It's a good one. It's very frightening. Let's go back to May 8, 1955, for part one now of X minus one. Countdown for blastoff. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years. On a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents... X minus one. Tonight's story, Mars is Heaven. When the first space rocket lands on Mars, what will we find? Only the ruins of a dead and deserted planet? Or will there be life, intelligent life in some strange form that we can only imagine? Will we be welcomed with open arms? Or will the Martians treat us as invaders? Only one thing is certain. Someday, a giant metal ship will take off from Earth to travel through the black velocities, the silent gulfs of space, to descend at last into the darkness of the upper Martian atmospheres. And on that day, man will finally know the answers. The day we first land... On Mars. Now hear this. Now hear this. Approaching critical deceleration. Fasten gravity suits. Stand by to land. There it is. We've intersected the course vector, sir. All right, Mr. Lustig. Over to manual control. Aye, sir. Masters, sound general quarters. Aye, sir. What do you make of the terrain? There seems to be a heavy ground, Miss Captain. We won't be able to use the infrared lights. And we'll have to come in on radar. Isn't that a little risky, sir? Landing in the dark? I'd rather run the danger of a blind landing, Lieutenant, than come in without the cover of darkness. Remember, we don't know what kind of reception is waiting for us down there. Airspeed 500. Altitude now 4,000. Bridge to engine room. Stand by for deceleration. Fire forward tubes one and three. Steady as she goes, Mr. Lustig. As she goes, sir. Airspeed 100. Altitude 1,000. Radar indicates a level stretch dead ahead, sir. Skids down. Skids check. Altitude 500. Four. 350. Three. Up a point now. Let's set her down. Hey, we made it! Oh, 
the power. Masters, pipe battle stations. I said. All secured, sir. Well, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we're now on Mars. April 20th, 1987. 4.33 Greenwich time. Enter that in the log, masters. I said. Well, gentlemen, it's less than two hours till dawn. As soon as it's light, we'll send out a landing party. Masters, get me an all-over hookup. And that's the first portion of Acts Minus One. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to X minus one. We're all set, Captain. Now hear this. All right, man. The smoking lamp is lit. Well, we're on Mars. The first manned ship from Earth to land here. We don't know what we're going to find. Or what, what dangers, dangers we may face. We're 17 men on an alien world. And it's up to us whether we ever get home again. The next few hours should tell the story. And I want instant obedience to all commands. I'll court-martial the first man who doesn't jump to when he's ordered. And one other thing. We may be on Mars, but this is still a United States naval vessel. Officers will conduct a personal and weapons inspection in one hour. That's all. An inspection, Captain. Now? Mr. Lustig, we've got an hour and a half to sweat out before we find out what's outside that airlock. I'd rather have a man worried about his stripes and about what's waiting outside on Mars. Now I hear this. Landing party report to forward airlock. Captain Black, Lieutenant Hingston, Lieutenant Lustig, and Dr. Horst report immediately to forward airlock. It's now landing time, minus five. Well, they're paging us. Uh, you ready, Dr. Horst? Yes, Mr. Lustig. As ready as I will ever be. Come on, let's get in the lock. Hingston, Lustig, and Horst reporting in the airlock. Very well, sir. The captain will join you. Four minutes to go. At least the captain would get here. What difference does it make? I just want to get it over with, that's all. Anybody got a cigarette? Yeah, I think you're smoking too much, Lieutenant Lustig. Are you nervous? I go for your horse. Wondering what's hidden outside underneath that ground mist? I've been giving it some thought. It'll be very interesting to find out. A very unusual planet, Mars... Why? It has an atmosphere. A wonderful thing, an atmosphere. Where you find one, you uh, find life. You mean Martians? What do you think they'll look like? Who knows? Intelligent life can take many forms. You mean they may have green skins and eyes on stalks or something? The comic book conception is possible, of course. Or they may have developed far beyond us. Perhaps they have a science that can produce weapons far more dangerous than our atomic missiles. You think we may have to fight our way up? After all, we are invaders. Now I hear this. Landing time minus two. All right, all right, we heard this. You know what I'd like to find outside that airlock? 
Good old Illinois. Ever been there, Rusty? Uh, only Chicago. Well, you ought to see my hometown. Green lawns, big white houses. <laughs> Sounds like my hometown. My grandmother used to have one of those iron deer on the lawn. Every Halloween, we'd paint another color. One time, we painted it black and white like a Holstein cow. Where does your family live, Dr. Horst? I have no family. When I was a child, they were gassed to death in the Dachau concentration camp. Tough. Oh, it has its advantages. I have no ties on Earth. Nothing to lose now. I imagine I'm the only one on board who is free to enjoy our present peculiar position. All right, masters, you can button it up now. Aye, aye, sir. Well, gentlemen, check your sidearms. In one minute, we'll be the first men to set foot on Mars. Quite an honor, eh? As long as the medals are not rewarded posthumously. Still uneasy, Dr. Horst? Captain Black, I've been uneasy ever since I can remember. On Earth and on Mars. Well, 30 seconds. Give me the intercom phone, Lustig. Yes, sir. Masters? Aye, sir. Battle stations are to be manned till we return. If we're not back in two hours, I want no rescue party sent out. Blast off and save the ship, you understand? Aye, sir. All right. Five seconds. Four. Three. Two. One. Lustig, open the outer airlock. Aye, sir. It's fresh air. Let's go. Now, take it easy. It's too dark to move fast. Quiet, isn't it? Not even a wind. Can't see anything from this ground this time. We don't know what's out here. All right, come on. What the quiet? Captain, I could swear that... That sounds like a rooster. I don't hear it anymore. Very homely but unlikely sound. A rooster crowing on Mars? Hingston. Aye, sir. Set that machine gun 25 yards to the flank. We'll stay here till the ground mist lifts. Aye, sir. What do you make of the ground, horse? Grass. Plain grass. You can see some large foliage there where the mist's thinned out. What the... Hingston, hold your fire, you fool! I hit it, Captain! What? Some kind of wild animal. I hit it. I could see the tracers, but it's still standing. Come on, horse. Doctor, where are you? Up ahead. Admiring the wild animal. Careful, Horst. Wait for us. Don't worry, Captain. <laughs> it's an iron deer. A lawn ornament. Well, that, that's impossible. It's hollow. Interesting, isn't it? A whitewashed Victorian iron deer sitting on a lawn in the middle of Mars. I don't understand. Look around. The mist's lifting. Hey, Captain, look there. It's a house. A regular old-fashioned house. But, sir, on Mars... Good Lord. I haven't seen carved scrolls and gingerbread like that in years. Look at that port swing. The geraniums. There. I told you it was a rooster, Captain. Give me the glasses, Lustig. I want to take a look through that front window. Well, there's an upright piano. Some sheet music on it. Lustig, it's... It's beautiful Ohio. It can't be, sir. Horst... Horst, do you think that civilization of two planets could be identical? I don't know. That specific variety of geraniums is only 50 years old on Earth. Is it logical that they should develop in Mars? How about that port swing of the piano and, and beautiful Ohio? Why, it's impossible. Captain Black, this looks like the town I was born in. Well, it, it looks like my hometown, too. I thought of something, sir. It's the only solution. Maybe 
Maybe we're not the first ship to reach Mars from Earth. Don't be ridiculous, Lester. Oh, how else can you explain it? Uh, suppose some scientists got together. They they, they invented some spaceship and, and planted a colony here. That's the only answer. That's impossible, Lester. Been space travel, it couldn't be secret. Do you have any idea what ships cost, what industrial power is needed? No, there's got to be some logical reason. I think perhaps we might find out, Captain. The light just went on in that house. Kingston, cover that door with the machine gun. I see. All right. Come on, horse. We're going to ring that doorbell. There's got to be a scientific answer to all this. And there's something moving in there. Stand back, Horst. Give me a clear shot. Are you sure a bullet can stop a Martian? Steady now. Can I help you? I... Well, we... If you're selling anything, it's much too early. No, 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 wait just a minute. What... What town is this? What do you mean? Are you census takers? No, no. We're strangers here. We want to know how this town got here. Is this a game? No, no, it's not a game. We're from Earth. From where? From Earth. Do you mean out of the ground? Are you sure you're feeling well? Madam, we came in a flying ship across space. We're from the third planet Earth. This is Mars. Now do you understand Mars? You go away now, you hear? I'll call my husband from upstairs and he'll chase you. Go on. But this is Mars, isn't it? This is Green Lake, Wisconsin in the United States of America. Bounded on the east by the Atlantic and on the west by the Pacific. Now go away. Goodbye. Horst, do you suppose it's really possible? I've got to find out more about this. I told you I'd call my husband. Now you go away. You've got to tell me one thing first. What year is this? Year? 1928, of course. For goodness sake. You hear that, Horst? And we know it's 1987. And we know this is Mars. Horst, is it possible that we got fouled up, made... Made some tremendous blunder, circled around, and landed back on Earth? In 1928? Well, maybe some switch in time or dimension. Could we have shifted somehow, gone gone backward in time? Oh, Horset, this won't hold water. It's it's not logical. We've, we we checked every mile. We went past the moon, out into space. We're, we're on Mars. Lustig out at point. Hingston in the rear. Keep that gun at half load. Aye, sir. Horst, there, there's got to be some cold, logical solution. Captain! What? That, that, that house down the street, the white one with the green shutters. Lustig, what's the matter? I never thought of... I never thought of... Thank God! Lustig! Lustig, come back here! He's running for that house. That crazy fool, after him, quick! Lustig, stop! Come down off of that porch! Stand up! Stand up! Lustig, what the devil do you think you're doing? Albert! Oh, Grandma! Grandpa, it is you. Lustig, what is going on here? Albert, it's, it's been so many years. How you've grown, boy. It's so good to see Lieutenant you. Lieutenant Lustig! Oh, Captain, uh, Grandma, I want you to meet my friends. This is Captain Black. Captain, I want you to meet my grandfather. Howdy. Any friend of Albert's is a friend of ours. How long have you been here, Grandma? Oh, a good many years. Ever since we died. Ever since you what? Oh, yes, sir. They've been dead 30 years. What? Oh, now, don't you trouble yourself. It's all right. We're alive again, that's all. You mean to tell me that Mars is heaven? Oh, nonsense, no. All we know is here we're alive again. And who are we to question God's infinite ways? Well, I... Lustig, we're going back to the ship. But, Captain, I... I want to talk to my grandpa... Lieutenant Lustig, I don't like any part of this. You'll come back with us if I have to club you and carry you. I see. Now, let's go! Heaven only knows what they've run up against back at the ship. Horst, look at that crowd around 
the ship. Looks like we're being welcomed with a celebration, Captain. Celebration? They've abandoned ship. Every port is open. No guard set. You! You, masters! Hiya, Captain. Meet my old dad. Dad, that's Captain Black. He's not a bad guy for an Hingston! What's it? Bring that band back. Use force if you have to. Aye, aye. Oh, excuse me, sir. There's my Uncle George. Hingston! I'll be right back, Captain Uncle George. Uncle what George. the devil is Don't going on here? Don't you understand, sir? They've all found friends and relatives. They're all here. You're right, Captain. I've found it. The whole crew's out in the crowd. But I gave orders. Given it orders. You don't understand, Captain. I understand mutiny. I don't care how many relatives show up. I'll have discipline. John! Johnny! What? Johnny, you old son of a gun. It's you. Edward. Yes. It can't be. Oh, of course it is. Johnny, Johnny, Ed. you old... Ed, what... Dr. Horst, this is my brother, Edward. How do you do? Hello, sir. It's wonderful to, to see you, Edward. <laughs> Look, I've, I've got to get back to my ship. Oh, Johnny, wait. I almost forgot. Mom's waiting at home. Mom? Yeah, and Dad, too. Mom and Dad are alive? Then... Then you're real, Ed. Well, of course. Don't I feel real? How's that, huh? <laughs> Why, Ed? Ed! We've, we've got lunch for you, Johnny. Mom's making corn fritters. Dr. Horst, haven't you found anybody? No, no, Captain. I have nobody. Well, then you come on home with me, right, Ed? Why, sure. Horst, Horst, you wouldn't believe it. But it's been 35 years since I had Mom's corn fritters. <laughs> By George, 35 years. in the kitchen, so don't hold back, Johnny. You too, Dr. Horace. Well, Johnny, you're still in the Navy, eh? Well, that's right, Dad. I'm in command of the ship. We're an old Navy family, Dr. Horace. All three of our boys in the service. Yeah, Ed was the best pilot in the Pacific, too. What did happen, Ed? Oh, what's the difference? I'm here now. Yeah, but... You know, it's almost perfect. All we're missing is your brother, Will. Then the whole family could be together. Well, it won't be long, Mom. Will's in charge of the XR-54. Next rocket coming out to Mars. Oh. Well, little Will, when does he leave, Johnny? Well, the takeoff's scheduled for September, but uh -huh. it depends on what we report. Oh, oh, yeah. There's no question about that now, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Christmas together again. That'll be something. Sure yes. will, yes, sirree. Well, uh, this calls for a celebration. How about a little of the old dandelion wine, eh, Johnny? Now, Father, don't you go giving Johnny too much wine. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big boy now, Mother. Well, sir, isn't everything just fine? Just fine. Oh, I'll be melancholy too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, play that one again, will you, Ed? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Horst, what are you doing sitting over here alone? What do you think of my little family? Very nice. You know, I can't understand why you didn't find any folks here, Dr. Horst. It's just a shame everybody else is so happy. Well, I never remembered my family, Mrs. Black. All I know is they were gassed at Dachau during the Second World War. When I was liberated, I was in delirium three months. I cannot remember anything before then. A psychiatric phenomena. Well, that's terrible. Isn't there anything anybody can do? I don't want to remember. I have not had a pleasant life. I prefer to be free of emotional entanglements. They interfere with a scientific approach. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Oh. Horst. Well, oh, I'll get it. 
That's our ring, long and three shorts. I remember that. Well, maybe we'd better call it a night. You must be getting tired, Johnny. I'd better be going back to the ship. Nonsense. You stay the night. Uh, we insist. I just couldn't rest thinking of you all alone on that ship. Oh, I'll be all right. Well, good night. Oh, wait a minute, Dr. Horst. That phone message was for you. Me? Yes, that's right. Uh, a message from Anna. Anna? I don't... Well, there, she must be an old friend. Isn't that nice? I don't... You sure it was for me? I don't remember any, Anna. Well, she asked if you were better. Perhaps she's someone who knew you at Dachau. Anna? She said she's coming over here first thing in the morning. So you have to stay over. Yes, well, but... that uh... settles it, then. You stay here, Horst. You can bunk with me in my old room. Yeah, but, Johnny, we thought you'd like to be with Edward. So you could talk the way you used to. Well, we can't put Dr. Horst on the daybed. I think we'd better share the room tonight. Be plenty of time for talking, Ed. <laughs> yes, I... I guess so. Well, I suppose I'd better drop back to the ship... You know, Ed, security check. What? Why do you have to do that here? I, I don't know, Mom. There's no good reason, I guess. <laughs> well, suppose we skip it tonight, huh? Well, good night, everybody. Oh, it's good to have you home, Johnny. It's good to be home, Mom. Captain Black, hmm? You asleep? No, no, I've... I've been thinking about what we were expecting. <laughs> Green-skinned Martians. All the time there was only Mom and Dad and... and Edward waiting. That's funny what tricks your imagination can play on you. Well, I guess Mars is heaven, Horst. You know, I've been thinking about Martians, too. Hmm? Captain, just suppose... Suppose there were Martians, and they saw us land, and suppose they thought of us as invaders. What would be the best weapon they could use against our atom bombs, huh? Oh, I don't see what you're getting at. They would want to disarm us first, huh? To wipe out all suspicion, to make us feel at home. Suppose this house isn't real. Suppose the people are just images stolen from our own memories by Martians. Created for us by telepathy. Hypnotism. Oh, that's, that's the craziest theory I ever heard. Maybe that's why there was no one for me. Because in all my life, there is no happy memory. No real loved person. Not even my mother. I don't remember her. Only the piles of rotting corpses of Dachau. There was no happy emotion for these people to... recreate. How about that phone call? Anna? Yes, Anna. I didn't remember who she was, but I do now. I just remembered. When I was freed from Dachau, sick... Delirious. I raved about a wonderful, kind nurse named Anna that took care well, of me. Well, there you are. It's logical. She's coming to see you tomorrow. But there was no Anna. I'd been nursed by a man. What? Anna was only a dream. And there's only one way they could have learned about her. By reading my subconscious mind. That's impossible, Horace. Why? A whole crew was thinking of home. Suppose the Martians read our minds. Yes, but if, if there are Martians... If there are, they have us separated each man in a different house, sleeping, trusting. No one at the guns. I left my pistol downstairs. Do you think there's something to this, Horst? It's a perfect trap, Captain. Who would suspect his own mother, his grandparents? How easy. Just a knife in the heart of each sleeping man. That's impossible, Horst. 
We've we've got to get back to the ship. Listen. The crickets have stopped. Come on. We don't know when they change back to whatever they really are. All right, careful. Where are you going, John? Ed. We uh, we wanted to drink of water, that. That's all, Ed. You're not thirsty, John. You don't want a drink. Look out! You don't want a His drink. His face! It's changing! He's a marsh! Run, horse! Run! You can't get away, John! This way, horse! Horse! Where are you? Hello! Hello! Can you hear me, Earth? This this is Captain John Black, the XR-53 calling for Mars. I've locked myself in the ship, but they've crippled it. I can't take off or fire the guns, and they're coming for me now, the Martians. I'm all alone here. All the rest are dead. Hingston, Lustig, Dr. Horst. Poor Horst, he didn't even reach the door. Listen, listen. They're trying to break through the hull. Edward and Mom, Dad, all the folks. But, but they're changing now. They're, they're melting and changing back into... They're Martians. Can you understand? Martians, not men. They, they make you think that Mars was heaven and we fell into the trap. Can you hear me, Earth? You've got to stop the next rocket. Listen, tell my brother Will. Tell my brother not to come. They'll trap him, too. They'll kill them all. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Earth? This is John Black on Mars. Hello, Earth? This is John Black on Mars. Hello, Earth? Hello, Earth? Tonight, X-1 has brought you the science fiction classic, Mars is Heaven. Written by Ray Bradbury and adapted for radio by Ernest Kenoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Captain Black and Peter Capel as Dr. Horst. With Bill Zuckert as Masters, Bill Lipton as Hingston, Margaret Berlin as the old lady, Bill Griffiths as Edward, Ken Williams as Lustig, Ethel Everett as Mom, and Edwin Jerome as Dad. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Fred Wayne as a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Minus one. And that's X-1 with Mars is Heaven by Ray Bradbury from May 8, 1955. In that cast, William Zuckert, Bill Lipton, Wendell Holmes, and Peter Capel. Fred Collins doing the announcing is heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's The Mysterious Traveler from 1950. Then, Eve Arden stars as Our Miss Brooks. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.